Namaste and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast, where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kilkenny, the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast, and today I am so thrilled to be welcoming Natalie Levin. She is a professional astrologer, opera singer, and yoga teacher who offers private astrology readings and one-of-a-kind workshops and performances. She was my very first guest on this podcast that is now literally being listened to all over the world and was so generous to come on when it was just unknown. And I'm so grateful to have her back coming full circle here with us today. Her first episode was called Everything You Need to Know About Astrology. And it's episode two. And it's still one of my most listened to episodes. So if you haven't heard that one, definitely go back and give that one a listen as it's such a fabulous overview of astrology and packed with a lot of really helpful, what I would call foundational information. So Natalie, namaste and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast. Mm, Thank you so much. And so Natalie, I want to just dive right into the topic at hand. And everyone I ask the question, what does it mean to you to be a modern mystic? But today, for time's sake, people can go back and listen to your really eloquent, incredible answer in episode two. And I want to dive into astrology. So I've been a student of astrology for years now. And in my intuitive coaching business and private work with clients, people are always asking me to look at their charts and share information that I see. And you do this professionally full time. And so today's episode, I wanted to compare notes and cover some topics that I get the most questions about and get your feedback on them, especially regarding aspects in astrology that haven't yet been discussed on this podcast. So for me, folks always are asking about the topics of money, career, anxiety, depression, intimacy in the way of romance and sexuality, and health. And then I'd love to add one of the topics that I love to discuss, which is spiritual evolution and awareness. So I thought we could start with these topics as an entry point into the conversation. And just as a refresher and a recap for our listeners, your birth chart is a snapshot of what the luminaries were doing in the sky the moment you were born. And like the moon affects the tides, the understanding is that all of the planets, constellations, and even comets and asteroids have an impact on us. So learning about this quote-unquote snapshot of what the heavens look like when you were born and the placement of them at this moment in time can really help us discover more self-knowing and support us in our life's curriculum, which we are here to learn, right? Which is the name of the game as a conscious human walking this earth. So Natalie, as an entry point into our conversation, is there anything else you want to add about one's natal chart? What comes up for me around the natal chart is that my soul, when I chose to 
be born knew that it wanted certain challenges to work through in this lifetime. So I chose this moment when Neptune was in a certain sign at a certain degree and Pluto was in another sign at a certain degree and Uranus and you could go through all the, as you said, all the asteroids, there's thousands of them and uh, millions, I'm infinite. I don't need, people don't know how many asteroids there are and meteors. And that, the way those planets and stars are talking to each other in my birth chart, my natal chart, inform who I am in this lifetime, in my human form. They can inform what I look like. They can inform also the challenges and opportunities for growth that I'll have in this lifetime. So it's really, I have found it incredibly validating and helpful to know my natal chart. And it helps me to know that nothing about me is a mistake, that everything about me is on purpose. Mm, That is so affirming. That is just, I mean, if you could just literally hear that and think Mm. about that every day, that's such a game changer. So thank you for that wisdom nugget. That's very profound. So let's talk about in one's natal chart, this picture When we look at the placement of all these luminaries in their specific locations in the sky, in astrology, and one of the things that for a long time I didn't understand were this aspect of astrology called the houses. Mm. And so I finally do understand them now. And I just wanted to speak about them because the way I think about it is like superimposing on top of your chart, a graph, so to speak. And when we put this graph on top of the picture of the sky when you were born, it helps us interpret this information. So if you look at your birth natal chart listeners, you'll see there's a circle. It looks like a big pizza pie to me. And there are 12 slices of that pie. And each piece of the pie is known as a house. So I'm gastronomically centered. This is how I think of it. So one, I'd love to hear if there's a way you think of it, But with my analogy, going with that first, I wanted to ask you, so like if you have, say, your sun sign in Libra, which is a lot about relationships, Mm -hmm. but you think of your chart is like this pizza pie or, you know, vegan, gluten-free, sweet pie, if you're that kind of person, however you want to think about it, you can have Libra in one of those slices of pie called the first house, Mm. which is a lot about Mm self-awareness and your outward personality. Or you could have Libra in a different house that's a lot about relationships. So your type of Libra is actually influenced by this picture and where all the planets and celestial bodies land. It depends where they are in their pie that gives those aspects a flavor, correct? That is absolutely correct. Yes, very well put. Okay, good. So just to ground everybody. So let's start and talk about money and abundance, because that's something that people ask me a lot. And I can't imagine how many times people ask you that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, for me, when people are curious about income and what it's like for them in at this time in their lives, because the planets are always moving, therefore, I might have this template of my relationship to money 
that is a theme throughout my life and it's always being aspected or talked to differently by the planets even by the moon the moon changes signs every two and a half days so even the moon which is could be lighting up a money aspect in my chart from thursday to friday so that that can that's important to know that it, the planets are always moving it's not a fixed energy that's always in your chart but i look to the second house which traditionally is ruled by Taurus and Taurus energy is related to money. So when I am curious, oh, let's see. Oh, Kilkenny's wondering what's going on with her. Like, is money coming in for her? Is she having, is it stopped? Is there a pause? I might look and see if there are planets talking to her second house that might relate to boundaries or stop or systems or shocks and surprises there's like this the boundaries would be saturn shocks and surprises would be uranus confusion would be neptune so i want i want to see who's talking to her second house to be able to give kilkenny some sort of an idea about what her flow of money might be like in the next year for example Mm. is that clear the way i said that It is. And just to recap for the listener, so you've got this natal chart. We've put a graph on top of it. You have the snapshot of where the planets were when you were born and the luminaries. But as Natalie's speaking, but then there's the reality of where all the luminaries and planets are now. And they're the ones that are talking to you because they're constantly moving. So you've got a set of sense of where the planets were when you were born And then a set of sense of those same planets and luminaries when they're moving right now in time, space, reality, and how they talk to each other. Is that correct? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. This is like so PhD level astrology. So I'm so excited to bring this because so many of our listeners are ready. And then Mm. I feel like this information too, if you're a beginner, knowing it right out of the gate can be so helpful. So Mm -hmm. if you're overwhelmed, stay with us. We'll keep going. So Mm -hmm. the second house interesting money yeah possessions values personal resources is my understanding i also would possibly look at the eighth house which is related to other people's money and taxes so i might be curious like oh might kilkenny be getting some sort of a windfall tax refund because uranus is talking to her eighth house or is Kilkenny going to have some sort of a conversation? People will value Kilkenny more and want to give her money in a contractual, like, here's your money, here's money from me, because Venus is talking to her eighth house. Venus is what we value. Venus is, how do I value myself? Do other people value me? So that might be another house that I look at. Mm, that's so interesting. And the eighth house is traditionally rolled by Scorpio, correct? Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Shared resources. I love that. And I remember I learned from you, actually, a few things about what you just said that were so helpful in my learning and growth edge with astrology. One thing you taught me was about this house being things that we don't talk about as much. So we think often a lot of people are like, yeah, Scorpio sex, you know, and and we know this, but I love Mm. that you shared that with me. No, but like money. And that's such a brilliant thing too, to say, because right, like how much do we in our particular Western society where you and I live, money is more of a taboo subject Mm. um, that's not as conversational. And so you taught me that. Mm. The other thing that you taught me was about that when you see your chart and study your chart, 
that aspect of Uranus, which if Uranus is in a certain house, as Natalie mentioned, my understanding, as you said, is shocks and surprises, but they're not always negative, challenging things. Sometimes, like you said, are windfalls. And you taught me that. And that is so sweet and has Mm. been so true for me. And really, it can be exciting. And it's also this aspect of really being the mystic where like not everything is a challenge not everything is easy, right? There's always that like light and dark, sun, moon, and there are always many aspects to everything. And so mm. often people come in like, oh my God, I have this in my chart because they you know, went down the rabbit hole of Google with something. Yes. And it's like, well, no, that can mean there is actually an easeful aspect in addition yes. to a challenging aspect. And that's yes. something I learned from you too, which I really mm. appreciate. Thank you. Yeah, so awesome. Okay, so let's get into... Next topic, career. Career. The 10th house is where I look for career. I'm always so curious. Career. The 10th house is also not just career, but it's how I am in the public, my public persona. Mm. So I might, and also the energy of the 10th house is ruled by Capricorn. Therefore, because since about 2008, 2009, for the listeners, if you happen to reflect back on your life, at around 2008, 2009, I'm imagining something big shifted for you in your life around then. And it could also have impacted your career because Pluto, which is death and transformation, power, dissolving, Pluto entered Capricorn in about 2008, 2009. And he has been there now since then and isn't leaving till about 2025. And because the 10th house is ruled by Capricorn, which is also related to governments and systems and the way we do things like as business, that's all being disintegrated right now and dissolved. And my imagination is that something about the way your listeners have been doing their daily lives, I mean, has had to dissolve and something, it might be in the goo. Uh, that's inside the chrysalis, the cocoon right now, Mm. because Pluto comes along and turns everything to goo. So I wish to offer some uh, space to your listeners to allow for the fact that they might not know what the heck is going on right now, like in terms of career, in terms of what the next right thing to do is, because as a species, we are all in a bit of the goo in our species-wide career house. Mm, so interesting. So you're speaking to this aspect that we do have a shared collective thing that's happening because as you're pointing out, which is an important point, that we have our own snapshot of the moment we were born and those influences. But as I had mentioned previously, but then we have what's going on now with all the luminaries and you had mentioned as well. And so What's going on now with the luminaries is a collective experience. Like mm-hmm. what's happening in the moon is happening for you and it's happening for me. What's happening with Pluto is happening for you and happening for me. How it might speak to our natal chart might, of course, is, is not might, different. But at the same time, there are certain collective lessons and collective flavors that are happening societally. Is that correct? Yeah, very so, well put. So interesting. So cool. 
Oh, thank you. I love it. So yeah, I love that the 10th house, the idea of it's about legacy and you spoke to reputation. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. So when we're looking at career, that's a really good place to look. Is there anywhere else you peek at or is that pretty much like it's Capricorn and you just go there? That's, because I go Capricorn right to Capricorn. I do. I don't really look in other places. I'm open to there being others, but that's my main career area. Your main squeeze. That makes sense. <laughs> Um, okay. Next, next topic I wanted to talk about is anxiety and I want to go into land of depression as well. And I don't know if you Mm. want to speak of them separately because I know psychologically on a continuum, they're actually considered very close. And for a lot of people, they can live hand in hand. And then for some people it's different. They, They don't experience them exactly hand in hand. So I'm wondering in a chart, those two aspects, and if you want to hit them together or if you want to articulate them individually. Yeah. When I'm looking at, when people say I'm really struck, like I, I just worked with a client who said I started like 20 years ago, I started having panic attacks and anxiety. And I immediately look, where was Uranus in her chart at that time? Where, what, or what was speaking, either speaking to Uranus is a planet. Therefore, I might look at the 11th house because the 11th house is its modern ruler is Aquarius. So I might look at the 11th house to see, okay, was, was there some sort of an intense aspect happening, happening there to, to light up the nervous system for my client. But I actually tend to look more at planetary movements for anxiety. An example would be it's Uranus is the electrical shocks. It's like I'm getting electrocuted and it can feel when I was having a Uranus transit sitting right on top of my son and my Pisces son, I really like, I felt suicidal and I felt like I couldn't stay in my body. It felt like my skin was going to like fly off my body. And it really can feel like someone's putting a lightning bolt through you. And now looking back, I'm so grateful to have that context for what was going on with me at that point, because it can feel really scary and like I have no control. So yeah, I really, it's not so much at houses that I look when I hear anxiety coming up, but for depression, I might be curious about what is going on in the 12th house for someone. The 12th house is ruled by Pisces and Pisces is the sign that is related to depression. I am a Pisces. I have struggled with depression. I It's just part of my this lifetime for me. And I might be curious also to see where is Neptune, which is the ruling planet of Pisces. What's happening with Neptune for this person? Is Neptune sitting on Kilkenny's son? Kilkenny's saying she's depressed. Is it sitting on her son? Oh, of course, you're having a Neptune transit. Yes, it's your... It's time for you to dream and sleep and imagine and go off into la-la land, uh, which is very hard to do in our Capricornian society. (laughs) Is this making sense the way I'm saying this? Completely. So helpful. And so it's, yes, the, the planets and what they're doing right now, right, affect us greatly. And then like you're speaking of too, it depends on where they're landing in our houses. And that's very fascinating that like with anxiety, it's more of a, okay, which planet Uranus am I looking at in one's chart? And then when it comes to the depression aspect and feelings, it could be more of the 12th house, which is, you know, often associated with spirituality, Mm. 
in my understanding, with solitude, with transcendence, mm -hmm. with self-sabotage, mm -hmm. with self-undoing. It's like <laughs> the yes. realization and the actualization and or the demise. <laughs> yeah, it holds it all. Yes. Oh, it's such a powerful house. And it's one that that is a common house. I'm wondering if you have this experience with people I work with that they'll be like, oh my God, Kilkenny, I have all these planets in the 12th house. Like I feel like the 12th house gets a little bit of a bad rap. Is that your experience? Yeah, I think so too. And I, that, I don't think that it merits that. There's no bad or good in astrology. I think that people, my invitation to the listeners is to really take what you like and leave the rest about what you read. It can be easy to get spooked in astrology. And an example of that is one time I had, I had a professional astrologer tell me that it would not be worth my time to learn astrology, that I wouldn't be good at it, and that I would not be able to understand what I was looking at. And I thought that was true. And I was like, okay. And I let that be a myth that I wove about myself for a while. And it turned out to be absolutely incorrect. So when you read things on the internet or say here, oh, the 12th house is so bad, it's actually, I see it as this gorgeous opportunity to connect in with the all that is. When I see 12th house planets, I'm like, I immediately think, oh my gosh, this person probably hears voices, probably can hear spirits, talk to his or her angels if if the person's ready to do that. I get excited with 12th house placements because well, I'm a 12th house placement person as well. Uh, so I think if you don't know much, if, if like you're just learning about it and it's from people who don't have 12th house placements, maybe they do write unpleasant things about it. But I think it's such an incredible opportunity. Yeah. So I'm here to celebrate the 12th house to take yes. it back. Yes. Um, no, I have, I have Jupiter in 12th house. I'm all about 12th house. Yes. <laughs> so I, I, thank you for, for that. Cause a lot of people, you know, come to me freaked out more about that house than any other house. And I was curious mm. if that was your experience as well. The people who are coming to me don't even know that mm. they most usually don't know that about their charts. Like they don't, they, they don't even know that. So I get more people who are just like, tell me what you see instead mm. of having that they actually have any information of their own. Well, I think it's interesting because you did say if you were to take a peek at any of these slices, any of these houses that give a flavor to what's happening in your chart right now. And when you were born, the anxiety and depression houses are next to each other. I know you, you said you look more to the planet when it comes to anxiety, but still you were talking about 11th house for that and 12th house and they are sitting right there. So it is an interesting, an it's, interesting thing. It's true. I hadn't thought about that. And <laughs> the other thing I wanted to really honor and, and confirm that this is too a shared experience with you is how incredibly helpful it has been for me to really understand the nuts and bolts of my chart reflecting back on my life. You know, it's something that like, it's never too late because even if there are things that you learn that are away from the past, like about my side of return or about so many things, it can normalize, contextualize, di help one digest one's life experiences and also juice out more knowledge and mm. more understanding of oneself. And that's really too been the case for me mm. when I've looked back on periods. So if you're thinking, oh my goodness, it's a shame, you know, I'm, I'm this age or it's 
whatever. Like I wish I had known earlier. At the same time, it can really be an incredible technology to help one process past experiences, don't you think? Oh my gosh. Yes. People can get very moved when I'm in session with them. When I say I can see in their, it's very, it always gives me goosebumps because I'll be like in 2015, did someone close to you leave his or her body? And the person will just start crying because it also opens up a portal for them to maybe process some grief or feelings that have, they haven't felt before or another layer because it's in their chart usually that there was this portal opening of probably something involving Pluto. Pluto is death. And if I see Pluto having talked loudly to one of their planets, and then they, they go back in time and ref- and I say, oh, it was in your chart that someone, you know, it was a portal open at that time. So I want to offer validation to you that that is a spirit was ready to leave its body around that time. It can feel at least my, I'll speak for myself. It can be really comforting to be like, oh, it was in the dance of the planet. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's very poignant. So when it comes to intimacy, because that's, of course, one of the top things that people want to know about. And um, I've heard different teachings about this. So I'm so curious (laughs) about, because, right, of course, we have intimacy in the way of right now I'm referring to romantic intimacy, but then I've heard nuance about certain houses actually being associated with sexual intimacy and even libido versus you know, orgasm, like all these nuances. So I was like, I need to talk to Natalie. We need to break this down. (laughs) (laughs) I need to bring in the experts. Yes. Well, when I'm looking, I am always curious to know what is the person I'm talking to? What is that person? Like, I might ask a question in your fantasy world, what kind of relationship are you in, in a year? And what does it look like? So if they say, oh, I'm married, I'm married and we're going to have kids. I will look at the seventh house. The seventh house is related to marriage and contractual relationships, which marriage is. It's it's like you sign a if you get legally married, there's like you sign a contract. So that's the more traditional and like I'm gonna do this in the societal way kind of experience for this, at least let's say in this country. But then if people are curious, when is the when when's someone gonna come for me to date? Like I just haven't dated anyone in so long. I might look at the fifth house, which is also known as the fun house. And the fifth house is ruled by Leo, which is the eternal child. It is the playful being. So here I come, I haven't dated in a few years, and I just want to go and have some fun and have some good love affairs. I'm not necessarily attached to it lasting a long time. I would look at the fifth house to see, okay, what's happening there? What's getting lit up there? for this person. Mm. And then if this person's like, I need to do deep transformative work, it through the vehicle of my genitals and like my sexual experience with others, I would be, let me dive right into the eighth house, which is ruled by Scorpio. Mm. The, the ancient ruler is Mars, which if you look at the glyph for Mars, it actually is quite phallic. It has like a phallic arrow on it Mm. and the modern ruler of Scorpio is Pluto which deals with all of the shadow stuff that we don't talk about we are taught we are told not to talk about in our society so sometimes for people the exploration of being sexual is stuff that isn't really discussable in 
quote unquote polite company. So I might look there to mm-hmm. say, and like, if I see someone with a partner that they're dating and I'm like, something lines up in the eighth house for them, I'm like, I, I'll say, you know, wow, it looks like you're your physical connection is, is really potent. And they'll like, usually like have a giggle and blush and be like, it is. So that's the eighth house. Does that match with what you've heard before? Yes, that's fabulous. Mm. And so Mm. linear in a very comprehensive way. So thank you. So just to recap, Natalie, what you said, what I heard is that your relationships that are contractual and committed have to do with the seventh house. So you look at your seventh house for those, that seventh house piece of pie, so to speak. And then the fifth house is about the dating and the, you know, that says you put it so sweetly, the house of Leo and the eternal child and a lot about romance and and play in that way. And mm-hmm. then you were saying the eighth house could be, because as we spoke of earlier, having to do with scorpionic energy and sex, mm-hmm. You know, if you're working with those energies and developing them or healing them, it could be in that house as well. And you mentioned Mars. Yeah, I've heard Mars colloquial be, be called like your libido energy. Mm-hmm. Or Venus is like your romance kind of energy. Would you say that's true in your experience? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Like Mars is, I have an energy to to penetrate. It's it's <laughs> it doesn't have to necessarily be fe- be sexual, but it can be it can quite be sexual. And Venus likes to be wooed. Right. So <laughs> it's, it's, I think that's fascinating because it's like okay, like you know, because we don't all like to be wooed the way we like to be intimate, right? And I think that's yes, really like a that's just something like I kind of synthesized all together. But when I did that and I was like, let me confirm with Natalie, but I felt like that was really, really helpful and exciting. And like a lot of really kind of psychological maturation that when we learn about ourselves and our intimate ways is important to kind of recognize. Cause a lot of times I feel like with people I work with, it, it isn't the same. And that's sometimes how we get tripped up or with our partners, it's not the same. Mm. Yes, you know, that's the love absolutely languages true. and all those things, but then the style of which they want to be intimate. Yay, this is such a fun conversation and <laughs> incredibly profound at the same time, which is so, you know, how you are, mm. which is one of the reasons I love speaking with you. Mm. So what about health, like our physical health? We, we, we spoke a little bit about anxiety and depression, so that's mental health, but just, yeah, health. First physical, and then if you want to say anything else as a tag on to the mental. I might be curious when people are wondering about health. I look right away to the sixth house, which is known as the health house. Like all the houses have a very, very abbreviated description, and the sixth mm-hmm. house is the health house. So I get curious to know oh, people are like, oh, I'm having a challenging, um, uh, like my stomach hurts, it's been hurting for several months, and I'll, I'll be curious to see oh, what's going on in the health house? Are they getting any aspects? Is there something that would be irritating? So I might even look and, and, and again, if they're having anxiety, I might see, is Uranus talking to their sixth house? Is Uranus making an aspect to it? Is it making any, is it passing through their sixth house? The sixth house rules our daily activities. Like I get up, I brush my teeth, I meditate for five minutes. I don't really do that, but um, let's pretend I do. And then like I have breakfast. So when you are having a health challenge, it can be very hard to do that routine. It gets disrupted. So it's all connected to our physical body. And for me, I, I feel like I don't know how to 
quite like offer a treatment plan. But I feel like when people's inner worlds are struggling with depression and anxiety, it really can manifest so physically. And I don't know how to heal that yet. And I want to honor that because the each piece of this pizza pie is a part, a section of the whole pizza. So each house affects the entire chart. So I really want to honor the the organic, holistic way of looking at the houses. That's such an important, revelatory comment and so helpful. So would you be comfortable? Because you mentioned each house has like an abbreviated, quick description. Would you be willing to just go through them for the listeners so they can clearly think about it? So again, people, you've got your tart. And then you put this graph, you superimpose on top of it, this pie, so to speak, that has 12 slices. Mm -hmm. I want to tell your listeners also that there are so many different ways to pull your chart in terms of house systems. Like astrologers will get into arguments about which one is best. And if your listeners happen to be familiar with yoga, there are as many ways to teach downward dog as there are people on the planet. I would say the same thing for as many ways to pull your chart. So take what works for you. And, and you, sometimes you have to experiment with the, which house system you use. I am using equal house for those of you to whom that means anything. So here I start in the first house, which is the house. Here's the abbreviation. I am. It's very unga bunga. it's really primal the first house is the my 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 root chakra you could relate it to as well so it's really i am the second can i interject because i have a chakra series oh and i never thought of that so thank you (laughs) we have an episode on the root chakra and it's true it's about the first house so if you have a lot of planets there you look up your chart you can go there. Um, but yeah, like you said, I am. That's the mantra, the the, the mm-hmm. theme. I love that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's about appearance, right? Too? Yeah. Or personality. Yes. It's like how, and, per, and like personal appearance choices can be involved mm. in that as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So if people are having a big transit through their first house, often it can really be this invitation to make enormous changes about their physical appearances or how people perceive them in the world. It can feel very disorienting too, because you've gone your whole life with this, your, your first house, your first chakra in one way. And then suddenly here comes this planet and it's like, oh no, time to shake it all up. And you're, and everyone responds to you differently and you feel different. And if you don't know what's going on, it can feel really destabilizing. So mm-hmm. again, if you know your chart and what's happening in it, that can feel so helpful. Like, oh, it's a sigh of relief. Oh, I'm having I'm having Neptune moving through my first house. Oh, no wonder. Mm, yeah, it's so much about self-awareness, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And that's so lovely what you just said. Yeah, really. Mm really being able to affirm these phases we go through in life and understanding why. And also I feel like when, as you said, like if you have that experience where, oh, like I changed my outer appearance and you have feedback from the world, et cetera. And then, you know, as you stated, oh, this is happening for me. So then it's like the chart becomes like this, the universal winking at you or thumbs up, like you're on the right path. right like that's what I feel like for me it's been so often like it's like this affirmative like yeah keep going totally 
that, like you said so beautifully in your first answer, right? Yeah. The next right step. You got this. You got Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. So second house. Second house is the money house. Money. It's really, let's just keep so super simplified and what, money, 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 <laughs> possessions, values, right? Yeah. Like two. Yes. Cool. So like, yeah, personal resources and, and the mantra is I, I've understood. I have kind of like what you have. Mm, nice. Is that, yes. Is that a way to put yeah, it? Yeah. I like that. Yes. Cool. So number three, third house. Number three is communication and writing. Mm, right. And siblings. Ooh, that's so important. Thank you for mentioning that. Since You're welcome. That's so helpful, right? So Yeah. So an example is like I have both Uranus and Pluto in my third house. So when I speak, it's exciting, Uranus. Like this is I'm not I'm and I'm inviting your listeners when they look at their charts to own their like amazingness. Like it's very mm-hmm. objective. So when I speak, it is exciting. This is just it's in my chart. And when I am and when I speak, it's powerful, Pluto. Mm-hmm. Both those planets are in my third house. Mm-hmm. So when your listeners see exciting planets in their third houses, I invite them to own their amazingness and talents as well. So cool. So cool. And I love that because like often in my experience, it's like, oh, people, if you're a Gemini, like you have lots of eloquence and this and that. And like, I have a friend who has, you know, a Gemini in one of the main aspects of her chart, her rising. And she's like, but it's speaking's hard for me and I don't speak well. Right. Mm. But then it's like in her 12th house. Oh, yes. Right. It's in that 12th house of dreaminess and <sighs> water and Piscean. And so she, she was like, you know, so this is why it's in a concrete example, listeners, like how, oh, the houses affect its placement. It's not just the sign. Yes. And, and I love how you spoke about the third house being, yeah, your style of communication and you are riveting. Oh my, if you, if, if you're in a room with people, like it's like mic drop, no, a pin everyone it's just right and it's in the house and siblings interesting I want to make sure because you said that and I think that's really helpful about siblings Mm -hmm. if you could also mention where we would look for parents at that respective house Uh, um, I want to stay linear but is well actually that's just I mean I would look to the fourth house so we're heading into the fourth house oh cool okay so third house is about communication style I think how I think. And now mm-hmm. we go to fourth house. So fourth parents. house is family of origin. Okay. So when I see something in there that is like Pluto, which is power and can be the embodiment of either victim energy or abuser energy, I get curious to know if the client is open to talking about it if there was some sort of trauma in early childhood in their family of origin. The fourth house is about how do I, it's, it's, yeah, it's family of origin. It's home. It's a sense of home. Mm. Like what, and, and your family of origin might not have felt like home to you for your listeners. And that's you probably somewhere in your chart that that is, can be seen. Mm. And does it connect to how you nurture as well? Because as yes. we, then we go into the world. So I was curious about if you concur that. Yeah. So it, learn, it teaches, how am I able to 
create a cozy nest for myself and others. Mm. How am I going? The fourth house is ruled by cancer. So how am I going to embody the archetype of the unconditionally loving mother for myself? Mm. So sweet. And let's go on to the fifth house. The fifth house is the fun house. That's the the abbreviation. And it's like, I, I, the fun house, it's like, let's go out and play. Let's have an energy to delight and let with childlike delight in being in this life. It's hobbies and it's love affairs. Hmm. That's really interesting. So hobbies and love affairs. I hadn't heard that about love affairs. Mm. Interesting. So if someone has, say, let's just give an example, Venus in this fifth house versus, say, Saturn in this fifth house. (laughs) (laughs) Just for the listeners, like Venus, right, is romance and love, as Natalie mentioned, and the, the harmonious, you know, Venetian energy. And then you've got Saturn, which is like high school principal boundaries, restriction. Okay. So what would that mean in this house? So if Saturn's in your fifth house, my imagination is that when, when you work hard, Saturn is hard work. It feels good to you. Like that's fun for some people find working hard, super fun. So I would say when people are like, oh, but I've gotten this message from society that it's something's wrong with me that I like to, that I'm like, it's fun for me to be at work. And I say, well, you know what? It's in your chart that Saturn's in your fifth house. And that is delightful for you to work hard. So it can feel really relieving to them to hear that. Mm-hmm. And when Venus is in the fifth house, I actually think that of all the it's not, it's not her favorite place because the fifth house is related to fire and Venus doesn't really super love being in a fire sign because Leo is a fire sign. The fifth house is ruled by Leo, but I would say that she would want, I would be uh, say, Oh, okay. Kilkenny, you have Venus in the fifth house. You like to love and be loved in a fun and playful way. You want people to, you want, your romantic interest to like take you on a roller coaster or go like skipping, frolicking through the woods and, and like grabbing flowers and throwing them in the air, something really playful. That would be, that would be the language of love for you. Mm, That's it. And I love that Natalie. And thank you for that example, because it's so helpful to know about the people you love in the way of intimacy, meaning, you know, your partners, your kids, your parents, your siblings, all the things. And just as you're speaking to really refining like what their love language is and what their, their nuances are. And then you don't have to worry about trying to change them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, yes. Oh, right. Like when I look at someone I love to start, I was like, right. And so it's just like, as you mentioned, almost like a relief factor. And then you can surrender and be like, no, this is just like who they are. And so Mm -hmm. how then do I look at who I am and find, you know, the peaceful Mm. balance? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Thank you for that concrete example. That was so helpful. (laughs) Fifth house, personal creativity. And I love how you call it the fun house. And the way, is there like a mantra? Like I, I've heard I serve, but I, I felt like that was not uh-uh. the right energy. Like, I feel like it's more fun than that. So what yeah, would I pl- be for you? I play. I play. <laughs> I play. Love it. And yeah. then the sixth house. The sixth house is the health house. Health and daily routines. Also small animals. 
Oh, I love that you put mm-hmm. the beings in there. Yay, yeah. pets. I it's didn't really know that nice. Either. Being of service is also the sixth house. So people with a lot of sixth house planets might find themselves working as a nurse or working in some sort of a service industry. Uh, I'm, I'm picturing like working in a home for elderly people, something that is really like daily routine and being of service. It's ruled by Virgo. And mm-hmm. the stereotype of Virgo is Mother Teresa, who gave her last pair of shoes away. And mm-hmm. my wish for my clients is always that they do not give their last pair of shoes away in order to be of service. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Beautiful. That's a be- lovely example, unless they have six planets in the sixth house, maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, then, you know, go go for it. <laughs> I love that though. So serve and the ways that, yeah, we're meant to serve. And so Mm -hmm. if someone like has no planets in their sixth health, then what happens when astrologically right now their planets moving through it, that house can still be activated for you, right? Like, so say I have a chart and I have no planets in my sixth health or you don't, but then all of a sudden now it looks at your chart or you look it up online and you've got several planets passing through it, right? So then that aspect of service will be lit up for you. Is that correct? Yeah, beautifully put. Yes. So helpful. So helpful. And that's so helpful because when people look at their charts, again, like I've gotten feedback, well, like, oh, but all, I have the, all these planets in this one aspect. And it's like, yeah, but right now in time-space reality, this other house that you haven't really focused on and maybe never have been so inclined to because it's not so charged for you is actually, there's a lot of activity right there. Mm. So we tend to it. And then when we tend to the aspects of our lives that we don't look at as often, right? That's when we come into a lot more balance and know the next right step, as you've said. Yeah. So cool. Okay. We are on, I think, the seventh house. Seventh house is marriage and contractual relationships. That's like, and you often see people who have clients like therapists or you. You're, I know you do spiritual coaching. Is that what you called it? Intuitive coaching. Oh, intuitive yeah. coaching. That they have a lot of seventh house placements. Mm-hmm. So I know that I know that that is true for you and me. Because I work with clients and you work with clients. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awareness of others, right? That, mm-hmm. that it's because it's the opposite of the first house, correct? Yes. So it, there's, it's a lot of awareness of others. Like I relate. Oh, yeah. I relate. I love that mm-hmm. mantra. I relate mm-hmm. as opposed to that first house, which is about, as you said, I am. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Let's go to the eighth house, please. Uh, the eighth house is. Sex, death, and taxes. <laughs> and magic and the occult. I mean, that's not so abbreviated. Sex, death, taxes, magic, the occult. And that, oh, that's an important one to bring up. I love yeah. that. I love yeah. that. So what would be like a mantra for that mm. house in your mind? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, I feel like there's... I dive deep. Hmm. I dive deep because it's the, for me, it's the deepest house of the Zodiac and it's Mm. where we go into the alchemical realms of transformation if we dare. Mm. So, so 
cool. And yeah, like I was thinking, like I circulate, I undulate, like there's that mm, energy, mm-hmm. right? Of mm-hmm. like even money and abundance. Like, and you talked about that with that house, which was really interesting to look to that house with the taxes. Yeah. So yeah, there's like this, you know, cause you think sex and death and money, sometimes people are like, well, how are they related? <laughs> so, and it's a valid question. So I, yes. sometimes I think about like, there's a, there's a circulation and there's like this quality, which as you said, is scorpion and, and watery. Interesting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so juicy. Okay. Ninth house. Uh, the ninth house is teacher, mm-hmm. nature, higher education and travel. So I, it might be, the mantra might be, I learn because when I'm teaching, I'm learning. Like both are true at the same time. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That house is so much about exploration Yeah, and um, that Sagittarian yes. expanding one's horizon. So I love yes. that. I learn. Beautiful. And then the 10th house? is career, Capricorn. I work. <laughs> I'm like, I make, I, it, yeah, I think I work. I, I, I do. It's like really about being a human doing, not a human being. <laughs> I love that. And some people, that's like a relief to hear, especially in like mystical slash spiritual slash, you know, whatever you want to call it, more alternative communities, right? Like, yeah, this can be a permission slip to be like, no, I, I am a human doer. Yes. I was a human being. Yes. Some people, their, their karma and their life's lessons are to do, are to achieve, are Correct. to be interested in their status and, and helping to normalize that for people who are pulled in the way of spiritually, but also pulled in the way to rock this material world. And we need those yes, people. We do. That is correct. So it can be a shame reducer to know mm. your chart. Mm. That's a great terminology. I love that. No more mm. sure. mm. Shame reduction. <laughs> All mm-hmm. about that. 11th house. 11th house is the friend's house. So it's a really short description. Mm. It's, the, um, it's friends, groups, communities. And it also is, I feel like it's a thinking outside the box house because mm. it's ruled by Uranus. So at my, it's modern ruler is Uranus. Um, Uranus has no box. So if I have a lot of 11th house planets, I might be very social because it's friends and groups and communities. And I also might be able to really embrace the strange or odd. Like I may be attracted to that, which is not the status quo. Mm, Interesting. Very cool. And what would the mantra that you... Oh, oh gosh. I commune. Mm. I'm making this up, but I've never been asked this before, but that's what it feels. That's the energy that's coming through me. I commune mm-hmm. because I'm, it's the community. It's really about interconnectedness. Mm. Oh, it could also be, I connect, but I, I like commune more because it, it brings a feeling of groups to it. Love that. Love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And then the 12th house. Oh, like dream, imagine, pray, meditate, spirit. It's like, now I, I will again say to your listeners that I'm a Pisces, which is the 12th house energy. Mm-hmm. And I have my moon there, which is like totally connected to the all that is at all times, which can lend 
this is something I learned about my own personal chart that chart people with charts like mine can tend towards mental illness because mm. with my moon in the 12th house, I am, my emotional world is connected to the, all that is always. And how do I contain that as a human? So I've had to do five trillion billion hours of therapy and 12 step mm-hmm. work to be able to stay in my human body. Mm-hmm. Um, so the 12th house, again, it's like, I can't think of just one word. I would say if there were one word, I would say spirit. Like it's mm-hmm. just the, all that is. Yeah. It's the grand finale of all of the whole Zodiac. It The Pisces, the 12th house contains all the other houses in it. The energy of them all. They all, there's room for all of them in the 12th house. I love that. I love that whole idea. And that, alone could make our listeners like minds just like expand to endless (laughs) endless possibilities right because it's so true and I want to honor and and speak to this idea of mental illness and I speak about that a bunch in a recent episode that I had um, with an amazing psychic Mm. and that fine line between like psychic abilities mystical experiences and then mental illness and how sometimes they can go hand in hand where one can be more vulnerable because of different abilities that are assets. But then, you know, because of certain circumstances and karmas, they they can also go into the land of, you know, mental health challenges and to really normalize that and to understand that they can, you can think of them as two sides of the same coin and mm-hmm. there is no like good and bad. It's just like knowledge. It's like knowing yeah. that, you know, your psychicness, yeah, it could make you hear things. And then when we <laughs> hear things, are those things helpful and, you know, mm. in the flow of the universal messages or mm. they could be in the flow of some other voices. And so, mm-hmm. so it's really real to, to tend to those things and normalize those kind of conversations, I feel like, in spiritual conversations. Natalie, would you be willing to go th- through real quickly to wrap up the planets associated with each of the houses? Yes. That would be so helpful because that was just such a beautiful linear description that I feel like will just light up people's minds in the way of cohesive understanding of astrology and one's chart and house understanding. And that would just be like the icing or the cherry on top or for me, the strawberry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So the first house is the, the sign that rules it is Aries and the planet that rules Aries is Mars. So the first house is Mars ruled by Mars. The second house is ruled by Taurus, and Taurus is associated with Venus. So we have first house, Mars, second house, Venus. Third house is Gemini ruled, and Gemini is ruled by the messenger of the gods, Mercury. And that Mercury is related to our thoughts and communication. And then we have this gorgeous fourth house, which is the Cancer house, and Cancer is ruled by the moon. So it's a very emotional, tender, sensitive house. When you see people with planets there, they usually are very tender and sensitive people. The fifth house is Leo, and Leo is ruled by the gorgeous sun that could fit 1.3 million planet Earths inside it. So it's a quite mm. a, a abundant, expansive energy, and actually self-expression is part of the fifth house. 
The sixth house, I know. And the sixth house is ruled by Virgo, which is also ruled by Mercury. So Mercury rules two astrology signs. And then we have this magical seventh house, which is ruled by Libra, relationships. And Libra is ruled by Venus. So Venus rules two signs. Venus rules Taurus and Libra. Then we have Scorpio, and that's the set, the eighth house. In the eighth house, Scorpios, before Pluto was discovered, Scorpio was ruled by Mars, which would make Mars rule two different houses, the first and the eighth. But now we have discovered Pluto, and since Pluto was discovered, Pluto has become the modern ruler of the eighth house. So you use which planet works for you or both when you're looking at your chart. You, you, if you are like, oh, it doesn't land well when I think of Pluto ruling my eighth house, then work with Mars and see what that feels like. And the ninth house is Sagittarius, and Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter. It's big and ebullient. I have a lot of Jupiter energy in my chart, so I love mm. very big. I am a big person. Like, I am tall and and. My head is gigantic. It usually can show up in in physical presence. And then the 10th house is Capricorn, and Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, which is hard work. And the 10th house is career. The 11th house is the Aquarian house, and the ancient ruler of Aquarius was Saturn. So it's interesting because you'll often find Aquarians can be very detached in a Saturnian way. They can see things a big picture and be clear with their boundaries. But then the modern ruler of the the 11th house is now Uranus. So it can also be these Aquarians come along and they're so interesting and mavericks and do things totally not the way society says. And I personally love Aquarians and I'm married Mm -hmm. to a triple one. And then the 12th house is the ancient ruler of the 12th house was Jupiter. And then Neptune was discovered. And now the modern ruler is Neptune. So again, Pisces, it's 12th house is Pisces. Work with either Jupiter or Neptune or both when you're thinking about that house for yourself. Hmm. That was amazing because that's so helpful because that has been a thing that has caused confusion with people I know just like, okay, which planet do I work with? Because people say different things. Mm. And like you said, you work with one system. Could you rep- repeat that system, please? The, the equal, house, equal house system. Excellent. And is there a place that you recommend people get and look at their charts? Yeah. Let me, they want let me. to do that? My favorite, the site that I use is www.astro a s is in sam t s and tracy r o.com you can get your chart for free there so it will give you instructions it's free and that's the that's the program i use for all my clients so far i haven't had to get anything fancier it does it all and how do we find out for people who want to do that like where the planets are right now in time, space, reality through that site? Because when you put your information in, your birth information, your birth time you'll need to have, you can get a free chart. And that's that snapshot of the luminaries when you were born. But then how do you look at the other stuff? Can you do that through that site? You can, but I would actually recommend that people go to a website that a friend of mine created. It's called planetwatcher.com. And you can click on it every day and it will show you where the planets are at that very minute. 
Wow. It's fantastic. I use it in all my readings to oh, see what's going on with the planets. It's Kirk Kahn is the name of the creator and he's uh, actually a genius. <laughs> Wow. He must have to do that. (laughs) Yes. So that's what I would recommend. And so that's free as well? That's free as well. Wonderful. And um, another one that I like is Astro hyphen charts.com. Oh, nice. You've seen that one, but that's another good free one. I have not. Cool. Yeah. They're both great. So incredibly elusive. This was like, I mean, you could just listen to this podcast episode and understand like everything as a newbie and re-listen to it again and again. And then there's a lot of advanced, more intricate, nuanced, brilliant stuff thrown down today. And I am always amazed at how much information you download. It's (laughs) in the amount of time. So I know our listeners will be taking copious notes and it is just such a gift, a gift to have you here with this beautiful conversation, Natalie. Thank you so much. It is so exciting to talk to you. And I love hearing your digestion and re-expressing of what you heard me say. It's really beautiful. Hmm. Well, where can folks find you, Natalie? Because Natalie is so generously offering all my members and supporters incredible discounts on her private reading. So generous. Thank you so much. And You're welcome. How can people find you. Uh, they can find me at natalielevinastrology.com. And you can even schedule your own sessions on my website. Awesome. So people run out and do that because I've had several sessions with Natalie and they truly, truly are life altering, mind expanding. Mm, Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Natalie, um, you are just a gift to this world. And again, thank you so much for being here as my only guest a second time. (laughs) (laughs) It's my pleasure and honor. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. It is so appreciated. Also, check out my website, modernmystic.love where you can find information about my very exciting monthly mystic membership. My members have unlimited access to a robust video library, which includes short videos that are easily digestible, sharing practical ways to integrate mystical living into your day-to-day life. These compelling videos cover topics such as how to ground, protect, and grow your energy, how to develop your psychic abilities, how to connect to your spirit team, shadow work, inner child work, tarot cards, lots of Western astrology, of course, in addition to syncing up with the rhythms of nature and so much more. I've gotten so much positive feedback that these videos are game changers for folks. Also included in the membership are over a hundred alignment-based yoga classes of all different levels, meditation and breathwork classes, so you can work from the inside out or the outside 
in and up-level yourself as you become the next version of you. Not to mention my Mystic members get all sorts of bonus content and discounts from my visionary podcast guests. So check out modernmystic.love and take a peek there as there's a free sampling of some videos waiting for you. Lastly, if you are looking for some conscious conversation and compelling community, check out also our private Modern Mystic podcast Facebook group. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste. Namaste.